You are listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, it's Tory party conference this week and the Prime Minister is faced with something of a daunting intray. Theresa May looks to sell her Chequers Brexit plan to the party faithful. No easy task, whilst keeping an eye on what Boris is up to as well. But it's easy to forget, with all the hullabaloo over Brexit, that the next general election will probably surprising as it might sound, be about more than just Brexit and the party leaders. There are other policy issues to consider too, one of which that seems to be rising up on the political agenda is housing. Now, one of our listeners, uh, Steve Akehurst, who works for Shelter, got in touch last week to uh, bring to attention some polling on this very subject that um, he thought might be interesting to listeners. And very grateful for Steve doing that. And it was also polling that was conducted by a good friend of the show, uh, Matt Singh. Um, Matt, welcome to Polling Matters. Thank you, Kieran. Good to be here. So we're going to talk a bit about this polling on housing because it's one of the things that I, I want to do on this podcast um, where we can is to try and introduce different topics that aren't just about Brexit and the usual voting intention and you know party leaders and all the rest of it. Um, but before we get into this um, this housing debate, I mean, you've been at Labour Party conference and Tory party conference, haven't you? Um, I mean, what's the vibe you're picking up from both of them? Well, it's very interesting. I mean, as as someone who's never been a member of any party, this whole conference thing is uh, relatively new. So I'm sort of comparing one with the other, but I can't really uh, look back over previous years. But um, it is very interesting. There's certainly a lot of um, thoughtful discussion about policy, which is kind of what you'd expect uh, party members and and, and MPs and and others to be discussing. Um, But certainly there's uh, a a lot of, well, there's obviously a lot of talk about Brexit. There was certainly an increasing willingness to uh, talk about homeowners. And the the thing I picked up, particularly at the Tory conference, which surprised me, is that I I would have thought that uh, at a Tory conference, talking about housing would be home ownership, home ownership, home ownership. But, uh, I mean, the event that I did, a panel I spoke on with um, Shelter that was uh, jointly organised with um, Conservative Home, we were mostly talking about renters, and and that event was very well attended. And I think um, the interesting thing there is is really how... um, how much the... how much attention this issue is beginning to get. Um, And I think that reflects the, the rising electoral salience of it. Mm. I mean, when you go before we get onto that, when you when you go to these conferences, you can obviously pick up a mood by being there that maybe isn't obvious on television or when you read the blogs and so on. Did you? I mean, is it true that there's maybe a, a more upbeat vibe at Labour conference than Tory conference? I mean, that's certainly what's presented um, to, to to the wider world. But is, is, did you feel that? I I did feel it, but perhaps not quite to the same extent that it's um uh, presented i mean i i i it i can kind of imagine that the labor conference last year would have been um incredibly upbeat um it it, it did seem that there was certainly you know it, it it was positive um the conservative conference i would say is more sort of um perhaps more sort of closer to neutral but i i mean i think that the 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 overall sense was was that People wanted to sort of think through things and 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 discuss the issues and discuss um, policy uh, rather than being strictly upbeat. So I would say that yes, there was a difference, but perhaps not to the extent that you'd um, yeah. infer by reading Twitter. I suppose it's also probably fair enough to point out that we're recording this on Tuesday. Yes. Um, the Prime Minister hasn't given her speech yet, and of course, a lot of how Tory party conference is viewed is going to be seen by 
a how that how that speech is received but then b what Boris Johnson gets up to and maybe some others Jacob Rees-Mogg as well so we are mid-conference at the moment so maybe it's hard to see how this will all play out my hunch is that the Labour Party one will be seen to have gone better when all is said and done but that's just a hunch and we'll have to see if that's borne out in the polling anyway let's get on with uh, the topic at hand so housing so this is something that you've noticed um, immediately after the general election isn't it this idea of a rent quake Um, can you tell us a little bit about what this poll um, was about what what sort of questions you asked, how it was done, that sort of thing. Before we get into the findings, because some listeners might have no idea about this poll even existing. Sure, I mean, so as you say, the background to this was the uh, looking into the results of the twenty seventeen election and understanding uh, what happened. And um, I won't go back over because uh, we, we, we've discussed it uh, on a previous podcast. But the um, the the key thing was that the supposed surge in youth turnout, which is supposed to have um, delivered a huge number of extra votes to Labour, actually does not appear to have happened. We know from the random probability surveys, the validating, including the BS, which is validated against the um, the official records from the Electoral Commission and various other pieces of analysis, that the increase in turnout was not primarily concentrated among under 25s what we've found is that there's been not just a a surge in turnout but also uh, a big swing among people who voted in both elections from the conservatives to labor and that was concentrated among renters and particularly among private renters so that is the the background the swing between the two elections the polling which was really designed to try to dig in a bit more deeply into what uh voters in marginal seats think in particular about housing and some of the issues around it. Um, This is something uh, that Number Cruncher did for Shelter. It was basically done, um, for those of you that that are not um, familiar with the the methodology we normally use for national polling, so it's online and it's a combination of the sort of the traditional online approach, which is to take people from online panels, although we've sort of gone through and carefully selected ones that don't have the excessive, excessively political engaged uh, people, which is, is a, a problem that polling of all types has, has had, particularly in recent years. And then that supplemented with what we call river sampling, which is interviewing people online, but not through panels. So that's done in a variety of ways, whether it's from websites or um, social media and so on, to try and get the the sorts of people who uh, might be happy to answer a poll but wouldn't go and join a, a panel. Mm. So that's roughly how it it works. There are some slight methodological differences with the way it was done in marginals, particularly because of the need to uh, get people living in those specific areas and, and, and obviously without doing the very sort of hit and miss approach of taking a national sample and then extracting it from it, you, you'd have to, uh, you, you, you basically have to use sources where you've got either accurate geolocation or uh, postcodes on file. So, um, so what we did. So, so when we say, sorry to interrupt, but when we say, um, you say the, mar- the marginals, as it were, yes. what, what do we mean by that for this specific poll? So for this specific poll, uh, it was Labour or Conservative held seats in England that had a majority of up to 5%. Um, so there were slightly more Tory seats than Labour, and um, most of them obviously were just straight Labour Tory fights. There were um, four seats in there where the Lib Dems were in second place, 
Um, so Sheffield Hallam was one, and then there were three Tory Lib Dem seats. So uh, unlike a, a, um, if you're just taking a straight Labour Tory um, batch of marginal, so the, the the average result in these seats of the election was uh, basically had the Conservatives a couple of points ahead. So it's it's roughly it's almost exactly um, representative of the the country in 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 uh, in terms of the results last time. Right. So. Um... Before we get into the before we get into the numbers, I mean, I suppose a cynic would say, ah, shelter, shelter. I've commissioned a poll, and it shows that housing is really important. I mean, but before we get into the individual figures, I mean, what sort of steps did you take to try and make sure that you were getting results that were genuinely, you know, not leading or, or, or that were um, that we think we can trust in terms of their findings? Well, the the I mean. It, this is done. Um, this has been done independently. Yes, um, shelter is the client, but uh, as is the case with any um, polling, the the incentive on the pollster is to get a the right result and the uh, an accurate result that that reflects uh, public opinion. And any uh, good client such as shelter will um, will will appreciate that. So in terms of the 2017 result, we asked people how they voted last time. The results matched the election results uh, almost perfectly in those constituencies. Uh, the same with the EU referendum result that we estimated for those constituencies. Um, so we know that the sample is uh, is accurate. And then in terms of the uh, question wordings for the substantive, uh, the, the issue-based questions, um, obviously that is something that's not uh, standardised in the way that voting intention is. So there is always a debate to be had about um, question wordings. But um, I'll come back to the um, the what we've started to call the Kellner principle on this, um, that no one should be able to, um, to infer the client's uh, position uh, based on the question wording. And I think that's a very... Uh, sensible rule for anyone doing uh, survey research to live by Um, and so you know the usual process these uh, all the questions are um, discussed analyzed sometimes changed Um, although a lot of the questions on these were uh, ones that were done parallel to to other questions that have been asked before so the question wording was already um set yeah so i thought i'd I'd, I'd raise that question not because i don't trust you matt or or i don't trust shelter but i know i know how these things go people will say ah shelter say housing important well shock horror but um i think that the listeners can uh, look at the tables and how the question wording and things are done i mean the important point is we're going to talk about housing a lot in this podcast um but it wasn't just a poll that asked about housing and isolation. It asked about other things like Brexit, the NHS, and other policy areas, I think crime, law and order, and things like that. And we won't read out the questionnaire on this show, but I guess the point is that it wasn't explicitly only about housing, this poll. So we were able to compare the importance of housing to other issues. Um, anyway, so... I mean, as as always, the um, the full question wordings and the tables and the methodology are all on the website for people to uh, check and... Um, ask about and you know um analyze as they wish well let's get into the meat of the figures then so the first thing you seemed uh the first headline that i saw anyway was about headline voting intention and the kind of sw- a swing from um the tories to labor that, that would be worrying for the tories i suppose wouldn't it yes it would i mean the so the changes in 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 these seats would actually have both main parties uh down slightly so labor down uh two points tories down six points so the the swing between the two is a swing of uh two percent um obviously we have to 
add the caveat that changes are within the margin of error, but that is consistent with um, the last national poll that, that number crunch did back in August, which uh, had virtually the same swing. So um, it, it appears that there there isn't um, too much going on differently in the, the marginals to nationally on the basis of these um, two polls, but obviously there are um fairly limited um you know just just the difference between two polls is obviously there's there's not a huge amount of data there um the lib dems on 10 which is up three from the results in these seats last time that again is consistent with the the broader trend in uh, national polling although perhaps it's interesting to see that it's it's being replicated in these seats which most of them are seats where the lib dems have uh, no chance of winning but um trends do tend to replicate themselves mm. nationally so that's interesting um ukip on five which is up three from the results in these seats so it's really um it, it so it shows the same sort of trends in the marginals as nationally which would perhaps have been your starting uh assumption if this poll hadn't been done but it's good to have this so that we now know uh, that the marginals appear to be behaving the same as the the rest of the country sure i want to put um the the debate about housing into its um its, its proper context so one of the questions one of the early questions in your poll says which of the following do you think are the most important issues facing the country at this time please tick up to three and i won't list them all out again but there's a whole host of it looks like something in the region of 15 different issues all the ones you can imagine um including don't know and none of the above and the top sort of six are Britain leaving the EU, 52%, health, 43%, immigration and asylum, 32 uh, economy, 27 crime, 24 housing, 21 So yeah. when, when asked to um, sort of rate the issues, I guess the first things first is that housing doesn't necessarily come top. It's in the top six. Um, so how would you characterize the importance of housing generally as an issue versus others based on, based on your numbers? Well, it has been, uh, I mean, as you say, it's not at the top, but there are a number of uh, issues that are relatively close in this. I mean, between sort of, um, I mean, obviously, Britain leaving the EU is, is top by some way. The NHS is uh, is second. But um, the, the, the next set of issues, there's uh, several within 10 points of each other. So it's certainly that housing, just if you just look across everyone, it is at the it is at the top table, so to speak, now in terms of issues. It's not something that's just uh, being ignored. Uh, the other thing to say is that if you look at the change over time, which obviously this is a, a single poll, but if you look at the trackers like the Ipsos Mori tracker uh, that ask this type of question, you can see that the, the salience of housing over the last couple of years has been moving upwards. And it's recently, one of the recent polls, it hit 22%, which was basically the highest in uh, in over 40 years so there is um certainly even though it's not the top issue and it's it's unlikely to be while uh brexit is a major issue and, and other things like the nhs which always needs to be an issue it is certainly among the important issues and increasing in salience and for all we know could increase even further the other thing to add is that for certain groups and perhaps certain electorally significant groups it is particularly important well, i was going to come to that yes so presumably i mean not all issues are equally important to different groups right no exactly and so among uh, private renters for example the um housing was uh, the number three issue um and in fact not that but far behind the the top two so um 
it, it's it is quite um it is quite uh, difficult to give a sort of single answer on how salient is an issue but mm-hmm. uh, it is certainly quite high and uh, has been rising and i suppose as you mentioned if if uh Labour has a 22-point lead, I think it was, un- un- among private renters. That's something that the government really needs to uh, needs to be paying attention to. I-, I assume, Matt, that you're going to tell me that because it's rising in salience as an issue, it's in the top six, that people think it's not going well, because presumably if it was going well, it wouldn't be wouldn't be up there. Possibly, yes. Um, I mean, it, it quite often things, um, issues become salient when uh, people feel they're going badly. So, for example... Um, if you look back over history, the 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 economy is, is generally what um, is what determines elections. Work, but uh, it only seems to be cited by people as a salient issue when the economy is going badly. So I think there's some truth in that. And 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 likewise, the immigration thing became a salient issue when immigration rose. So um, yes, I think there's some there's some truth in that. Because I think in your poll, you've got um, thinking about the country as a whole. Over the last five years, would you say each of the following have got better, stayed the same or got worse? And uh, on the cost and availability of housing, 67% think that's got worse over the last five years, right? And then where else have we got? We've got some numbers on, um, do you think there's a housing crisis? I just need to dig those out. Yeah, to what extent, if, if at all, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? There is a housing crisis in Britain, you know, 69% uh, either strongly agree or tend to agree yeah. uh, uh, um, with that. So, I mean... This feel, but when you combine that with what I talked about earlier, with the private, and you, 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 you're the one that brought this to the public attention, that the lead that Labour has among private renters, this does feel like a real issue that Labour can um, make political hay with. Yes, it does, and I mean, I think in, in terms of the um, where the the origins of this um, this crisis came from, I mean, it, you know, it, it has been. The assumption over many many years, really going back to the to the to the nineteen eighties, that rising house prices are um, are a vote winner. That goes without saying. Um, no need for the discussion. And that was kind of the working assumption um, under the Conservative governments at the time, and then under the subsequent Labour governments, and then again under the uh, coalition and 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 Conservative government since and i think what's happening now is that because home ownership has started to um has started to drop and people are staying in rented accommodation for longer or in fact uh, permanently in some cases the the fact that the um not just the the gap between earnings and house prices and therefore the affordability of um houses to buy but also the the other issues with the private rental sector along uh, you know such as uh, the lack of security and the lack of um the lack of legal protections and 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 so on um and 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 in many cases the poor quality of the accommodation these are things that are starting to um become more and more important to renters because they're staying in the the houses for longer so um there are quite a few things driving the the salience of it and quite it's it's important to uh, bear in mind that the a lot of the younger graduate professionals a lot of them doing quite well for themselves um the sort of people who would naturally have been Tory in the past and would long have bought their own homes in the past um are finding that they're not able to do so a lot of them are moving further out of london commuting further 
um, in order to buy or sometimes even just to reduce their their rental costs. And so it is starting to have a, a, a disruptive effect in the sense that a group of people are not voting the way that they would naturally have done in the past because there's this particular issue of housing. And so uh, it's a big headache for the Conservatives, but it makes it a very interesting issue to look at as an issue. And and did you do much uh, polling in this survey? I think you did on on what the solutions might be, because, I mean, you hear people on Twitter say, oh, build more bloody houses or something like that. But I mean, I, I think you went into that in a bit more detail in your survey, didn't you? Yes, I mean, so there was uh, there were a range of things. I mean, there wasn't anything as um, sort of um, how shall I put it? There wasn't anything as as sort of obvious as build more houses because I think that's kind of um, uh, it's not the 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 only thing that uh, it's not the only solution, but obviously it's the um, it, it's part of most um, most uh, solutions that are being suggested so uh, among the options that were in the poll the so increasing the supply of houses for rent from councils and housing associations actually came top which was quite interesting this is social Uh, housing essentially social housing and uh, that was actually uh, had the support of i mean there was very little difference by party in support for that which is interesting because quite often you think that uh, conservative voters would be um perhaps less keen on that but actually there was no difference uh actually the support among conservative voters was slightly higher uh, on that one um tackling homelessness was also um quite high obviously that's um uh, something a little bit more general so it's um perhaps harder to interpret in the same way but obviously there's there's very significant uh, support from that one in three people uh, chose that as one of their two answers and then the 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 next two were both around affordability. So there is quite a, a theme about it for um, renting or for buying. So there, there, a lot of the the message, I think, from across the responses to this poll is that there are a number of issues to be tackled. But I think the one that the ones that are really sticking in voters' minds are the uh, ones around affordability. And in a way, that's not that surprising because if you if you sort of just ask someone a question, they they're gonna people are gonna be thinking about the most immediate thing: what's actually what they're paying each month for their the the roof over their head. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a, in a way, that's not surprising. Um, it doesn't mean the other things on the list are not um, also important, but the the thing that they they they're thinking about primarily is the the cost. Yeah. So, so what I'm picking up, Matt, is that this this does feel like t- talks of affordability and of um, you know social housing and stuff. It feels like a very labour issue. Is there a, is there a, is there a Leave versus Remain um, split here at all? Because there often is on policy issues. Uh, no, there's there's really very little at all. And I think the the interesting thing is that I've found uh, looking across various things, um, the same things on um, particularly things to do with the economy. So questions about uh, about austerity or um, about various um, attitudes to business and so on, um, the the difference between remain and leave often ends up being quite small, and I think that does fit with the the view that the remain leave thing is a is primarily explained by uh, cultural and um, cultural attitudes and, and and views of identity, not so much um, around economic left right issues. Mm. Um, so in that sense, I'm not 
particularly surprised by the fact that it, it sure. doesn't explain much of the differences here. And people who are interested in some of those issues uh, do check out our podcast last week with Paula Surridge uh, from University of Bristol, who goes into a lot of that in more detail, um, which, was really, which was really interesting. And you know, I highly recommend that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if it's if it's allowed for me to recommend my own podcasts, uh, I will I will do that. Uh, recommend that one with Paula. Um, final couple of minutes, then, uh, Matt. While I've got you, I just wanted to get your general impressions on the polls, really, because. Um, there's lots of uh, polling data being flying around, both related to people's votes and second referendums, but also just generally about the state of the parties um, going into conference season and coming out. I mean, uh, this may be a broad question, but I guess it gives you the license to take it wherever you want. I mean, what what is your what what is um, striking you in the polls at the moment? What are you paying attention to? What's interesting? Um, there isn't. I mean, in in terms of big moves, there are not really any. Um, overall big moves there's there there has in the last i guess polls in the last couple of weeks um and anthony wells did a a blog post specifically on this the 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 differences between um the the widening gaps between what different pollsters are showing um obviously there is always going to be the margin of error uh, on individual polls although that that's specifically about random error and then you've got the systematic differences uh, from between pollsters from the result from different methodological choices or, or, or other differences uh, in what they do so that, that that's what we call house effects so there, there there clearly have been some house effects going on i mean for example yougov has tended in the last few months to show bigger tory leads um bmg has tended to show things a bit better for labor um, there has been in the last couple of weeks an increase in the divergence between what different pollsters are saying. And so we've had, so to, to, to quote the latest figures, we've had a, a six point Tory lead from YouGov and a five point Labour lead from BMG. Now, it's not clear to me whether that's um, random noise or whether it's conference season volatility um, just forcing the numbers slightly further apart or whether it's it's perhaps something else but my my recommendation is always when there is a, a particular event of which conferences are a very good example you really want to wait a week or so uh or in it for field work wise a week or so so uh, polls that come out slightly more than a week after to really gauge where things have fallen because apart from the the fact that polls can have um, a, a genuine effect on people that wears off quickly. They can also have just noise that, for example, supporters of one party who think their conference has gone well might become more enthusiastic to respond to a pollster's email or phone call than than people who didn't, and that doesn't actually reflect. Uh, that affects changes in likelihood to respond rather than changes in actual public opinion. So um, there seems to be a bit of, I guess, stasis, but I'm not. Uh, sure it's something we'd read too much into um, and on the uh, EU referendum polling um, if we can uh, talk a bit about that I mean it's interesting to see that John Curtis has launched this uh, poll of polls in the same way that he did before the referendum itself um, so he's this is uh, a sort of a polling average of polls on a second referendum and I think it's actually it's great that he's done that and it's perhaps telling that um he felt necessary to i'm not i mean i'm not sure i'm not gonna guess what his reasons were but i think i am glad that he did it because unfortunately and i I know you've been uh, quite vocal about this yourself there is a tendency for people on both sides of the debate to cherry pick polls that sound uh that suit their 
their narrative. Um, and that's a particular problem with Brexit, because especially with the wide variety of question wordings, you can get very different results. And if you're following people that you agree with, then and they're retweeting polls that suit the side that you agree with, you might get a very misleading picture of where public opinion actually stands. So it is very good that um, that John Curtis is doing this and uh, it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and in terms of what it shows, I mean, it has shown a very gradual shift of a swing of sort of two or three percent since the referendum result. So that Remain is now narrowly ahead. Um, but it is a very gradual shift over a long time and it doesn't show the sort of dramatic moves that some headlines that you might see from time to time would imply. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I have been very, very vocal about this. I mean, there's been a lot of not very good polling put out there by pretty experienced pollsters, if I'm quite honest with you, without naming any names, um, you know, suggesting that there's, there is support for second referendums and remain that the data doesn't really suggest. And you know, I'm not here to advance a personal political view on what should happen one way or another, but I just think, you know, if you look at the data, I would characterise it as a slight shift towards Remain or towards a second referendum, but it's not it's not immediately obvious to me that that is a bona fide vote, vote winner for Labour if they start, some come off the fence on that regard. I mean, I think uh, an additional point I would just make while I'm here, uh, so while I've got the floor, as it were, uh, I mean, like, the best trend data to look at is trend data that has been asked in exactly the same way to the same audience over time. Um, I was tweeting out last night some data from Ipsos Mori on the satisfaction ratings with the government's performance, which showed that more than 7 in 10 are dissatisfied with the, the job the government's doing running the country. The last time we broke 70% for dissatisfaction with the government was in 2009 under Gordon Brown. And you can be confident in that trend because it's been asked the same way. And, and um, you know, therefore, you can you can look at that those data that data and say, okay, that that's telling. That's really important. Um, but when you're a sort of individual uh, campaign group that's put out something for the first time ever, asked in a certain way to a certain audience, then it's less clear that that's an actual trend. And you know, it might be. Sometimes the outlier is right. I mean, I think you said that yourself, Matt, uh, yeah. on Twitter the other day. Um, so you know, it's not a question of let's all. Um, let's all just make sure we all have the same message because polling's had a problem with that in the past, right? Um, but, you know, I think just be careful when we're evaluating trends, particularly when they're put out there by partisan people. The final word to you, Matt. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think when uh, there is often no right, no single right way to ask a question or to do a poll, uh, but when you are making comparisons and presenting them as comparisons, in this case, uh, the comparisons at different points in time to, to give you a change over time. You need to be clear about where you're uh, comparing apples with apples or where there are, you know, you, you can't make an exact comparison, but you can show things and therefore you have to add the appropriate caveats. And in a number of cases, uh, people have not done that. And I think it's something for both pollsters and journalists and indeed uh, campaign groups who want to be ethical and want to demonstrate that they are being um, honest and not twisting figures, um, that they that they stick to that uh, sort of framework when when presenting the data. Yeah, and I think this is the this is where a good political consultant or um, sort of private pollster, if you like, will, will be worth their weight in gold with the political parties because it's very easy to be buttressed about by by events and and the data that's out there in the public domain. But actually, sometimes it's better to 
best to wait. But anyway, um, that's all we've got time for for this week's uh, Political Betting Polling Matters podcast. Big thanks to Matt for, for joining us uh, down the line as he navigates various party conferences. Um, <laughs> always a pleasure uh, for you to join us, Matt. Um, if you like what you hear, please do uh, share the podcast on social media. Listeners, I know a lot of you have been doing that. Um, it's really very much appreciated. Uh, we are trying to get more and more into the weeds of some issues beyond simply Brexit and the party leaders. Uh, the, the podcast with Paula Surridge last week was a good example of that. The one today focusing on housing is another good example of that if there are other issues that you think we should be focusing on get in touch let us know um but anything you can do to share the podcast and help us uh, spread the word it's very much appreciated uh, but for now thanks to everyone for listening and enjoy Theresa's amazing speech this week and we'll be back next week with some more episodes <laughs>